In Mark's gospel, there is a short little story that often gets overlooked right in the middle of Holy Week. This story has meant a lot to me this year. Honestly, throughout the last several years, I've usually just read right past it and not thought too much about it, but this one has stuck out to me. It's important to note that at this point, it's Wednesday. Passover is two days away, which means there are people from all around Israel pouring into Jerusalem, getting ready to celebrate. It's kind of like when you show up to a college football game early and there are already people pouring into the parking lot, finding their spot and setting up their tailgate. There was a buzz in the air. But it wasn't all for Passover. People were also talking about Jesus and the chief priests and the religious leaders were on high alert. Welcome to season five of Stories in Scripture, a podcast dedicated to telling the big story of the Bible one piece at a time. This season, we are following Jesus day by day as he journeys to the cross. No matter what time of year you are listening, this season is an invitation to slow down and remember the greatest act of love of all time. This is Holy Week. The smell of the oil preceded the woman. The alabaster glowed in the soft light of the candles. Before the men in the room fully understood what she was doing, she had broken the jar open and began pouring it over their rabbi's head. Chaos ruled the room for the next few moments. The disciples jumped up and rushed to their teacher. Simon and his friends rushed to remove the woman from the room. Such audacious displays of waste offended the very heart of their mission. Woman, what are you doing? Leave this place immediately. That could have been sold. It must cost more than a year's wages. We are here to help those who need help. The poorest among the people could have used the money we would have made from that oil. The woman shrunk from the men, shuffling back in wonder and fear. She looked around the room for the exit, but the twelve had begun to surround her. She turned for the door, tears glazing on her eyes as the shame of her actions flowed up from years of abuse. Something about the scene didn't feel right to John. They had clearly scared this woman. He looked toward his teacher, waiting for a sign that he approved of their rebuke. He did not find it on the face of Jesus. Instead, a deep frown sat on his brows. Leave her alone. The disciples stopped in the middle of their tirades, frozen to the spots where they stood. One by one, they turned to Jesus in disbelief. Wasn't this the sort of thing that he would have been furious about? Wasn't this what he did in the temple with the money changers? Shouldn't he have scolded the woman? Jesus met their looks with gentle disapproval. The look of a teacher whose students still don't understand the lesson. John notices first and looks back at the woman, wanting to know what he missed. Jesus stood up and crossed the room to the woman. The other men watched in disbelief. He placed a hand on her shoulder and smiled. She begins to sob, all the fear and embarrassment released by his understanding. 
He turned back to the men who had followed him closer than anyone. They felt a burn of humility on their faces as he looked at them. The frown had returned. She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. You can help them anytime you want. He paused to look at each of the twelve disciples. His eyes betrayed a sadness and love that pierced them each. In that moment, they came to realize that they had spent three years with the man and had missed something essential. They had somehow not caught the heart of it. That night, a new understanding settled on each of them. The man standing in front of them, defending this woman, on this night, was still teaching them what they needed to learn. They felt the earth sigh beneath their feet in response to the tension they felt deep in their souls. Jesus continued, the sadness now present in his voice. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus crossed the room to his place at the table and looked back at his beloved followers. He waved them over, inviting them to the table one more time. My favorite line in this story is when Jesus simply says, she did what she could. But in order to explain why I like that line so much, we need to do a little bit of work. So some background information. Jesus is hanging out at his friend Simon's house. It says they're reclining at the table. Now, reclining at the table is a phrase we talked about at length in season one. It literally means laying on your left side, supporting yourself with your left arm while you eat with your right hand. But at a deeper level, it was a phrase used to describe someone who was sharing a meal with their family or friends and had no intention of being rushed. When you were reclining at the table, you were communicating non-verbally to the people you were with that you aren't going anywhere. It means you have no plans anytime soon, like this meal is what you are doing tonight. And remember, this is two days before Jesus goes to the cross. I wanna keep pointing that out, mostly because it's convicting me. Jesus has two days left, yet he's just reclining at a table with his friend Simon, which is an interesting detail for us to remember in the 21st century because a lot of our meals, a lot of my meals are consumed in the car between meetings. In fact, there's a whole market for meal replacement shakes. I drink them all the time because it's fast, it's healthy, it's an easy way to get a nutritious meal. That concept was foreign to Jesus. Here he is, two days before he is heading to the cross, and yet he is just over at Simon's house reclining at the table. 
Now, while that's happening, a woman walks in with a really expensive bottle of oil, breaks the jar, and pours it all over Jesus's head. Now, with no context, that is a pretty ridiculous story. And I'll just warn you that even with context, it's still pretty strange, but I think that's the point. So anointing oil is mentioned 20 times in the Bible, mostly in the Old Testament. Anointing somebody was a symbolic act of naming somebody holy. The word holy means set apart. So in 1 Samuel 16, for example, when the prophet Samuel meets the young shepherd boy named David, he knows that he is the future king of Israel, and the first thing he does is anoint him with oil saying this boy is set apart for a special purpose. So in the middle of Holy Week, Jesus is reclining at the table and in walks this woman who breaks open a really expensive bottle of oil and anoints Jesus. She is declaring to the whole world, this man is holy. Which, by the way, is important because he is two days away from laying down his life for you. As Paul once wrote, God took him who had no sin, him who was holy, to become sin so that you and I can be made righteous. And in some deep, mysterious way that goes right over the disciples' heads, and honestly, right over my head for several years, this woman knew that Jesus was worth sacrificing everything for. So she takes her prized possession and doesn't just use a few drops, but all of it to declare to the world that Jesus is holy. And in a room full of very confused disciples, Jesus is deeply moved by her action and says she did what she could. I wonder if something would change in your life today if you realize all you were being asked to do is just to do what you can. I don't know if you've noticed, but it feels like there is almost this low-grade anxiety involved with Christianity these days. Like a constant worry that we aren't doing enough. That we need to do more, move faster, take more ground, and war against anything standing in the way. Meanwhile, Jesus is reclining at a table, praising a woman who was just doing what she could. And so, of course, we are here to make disciples and build and tell stories and all of that. But that low-grade ache that often comes with it, that feeling that we aren't doing enough, that we need to do more, move faster, build stronger, I wonder if that's the very mindset Jesus came to heal. I wonder if that is the very thing Jesus offers us a way out of. Because according to this story, what Jesus loves is when we just show up and do what we can. That's what this woman does, and she walked out of Simon's home that night without her oil, probably her most prized possession, maybe a large chunk of her net worth, and yet, I bet she walked home feeling more free and filled with purpose than she had in a long time. And so, 
I wonder if this story is actually an invitation to give ourselves some grace. Our job isn't to save the world, it's just to do what we can. Our job is to keep showing up. Holy Week isn't an invitation to stop moving, it's simply an invitation to slow down and remember what really matters and what doesn't. She gets it right. However, there is another person present who gets it wrong. His name is Judas. And unlike this woman, he was still clinging to all the action. He was still trying to play the game. He was still looking for worldly triumph instead of kingdom triumph. He still had that Aladdin mentality that they should be riding in with marching bands trying to convince the world they were someone they were not. These final days were driving Judas mad. And this act, what he would call, quote unquote, wasting a year's worth of wages, just to pour oil on Jesus at Simon's house, a place where no one would ever see it, was complete nonsense in Judas's mind. Terrible stewardship. In fact, this was the moment that set him over the edge, the moment he realized he was playing a different game than all these crazy people. And so he ran out into the night, approached the high priest, and told him he was ready to work with him, to partner with him. He was ready to betray his best friend. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stories in Scripture. We hope this season is helping Jesus' journey to the cross come alive for you in a whole new way. To find out more about this project, visit our website, storiesinscripture.com, follow us on Instagram at storiesinscripture, and please be sure to rate and review this podcast. We'll see you next time for another story.